just a great message of song, a song of messages. Wouldn't the world be different if we were all on the same page? Mm, it would really be different. God loves all people. He sees every person that's living, acquainted with, with all the feelings that you and I go through. He's acquainted with grief. He's acquainted with sorrow. He understands our thoughts from afar off. Sometimes, are you like me? You can't understand your own thoughts. You're just kind of like, sometimes you're, you got so many thoughts going through your mind that, am I the only one? Or, you know, my wife will say, what are you thinking? Well, I'm going to say nothing. Well, that, 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 that's a lie right there because you can't be thinking nothing. What, you're, what you really mean is you, you really don't want to know. You know, it's just stuff that don't matter, right? Little stuff. I mean, you got to be thinking about the woods, or you got to be, if you're, you know, thinking about stuff. Hey, by the way, Chet and Shelley have moved officially. They're here in their home. They are living by close to Peak Vaughn. They came all the way from Colorado. Is that right? I got that right? And we welcome you. I hope you feel at home here. And uh, part of the reason they're here is Horton and Jackie. I think that's a big part of it. Horton and Jackie are their parents. And, and we love them. So welcome. And God's... God's always had a plan, doesn't he? He always has a plan, a purpose. And he said he'll be with us till the end. And end. That may be the end of the age, or that may be end, the end of your age. And whatever that may be, whatever comes first, we're in good hands. Amen? So today I'm going to talk about... Um, Perfect peace. Um, a little bit last week we dealt a little bit with the uh, the anxiety thing. Isaiah forty first chapter described. Don't look around you. Don't fear. Those who are coming against you, don't begin to be downcast because I am with you. I will hold your hand. I will help you through it. And oh, sometimes we forget, don't we? Oh my goodness, life can get I thought about a few times where I was a little on the anxiety, a little bit of anxiousness. I thought about the time we were building the church. I thought about the time where we were setting the concrete planks on these, what, right, what you're sitting on. You're sitting on concrete today. 
Well, there's a chair beneath you, but you're sitting on a concrete uh, floor. And so the day was the day that we were going to do the second half over here. We already had the planks done on this side, and now these planks came all the way from Iowa, just on the inside of the border. And uh, they, were dro they drove wee hours in the morning to get here at a decent time. And let me tell you, if you drive all night in a large truck and you're paying attention, you're tired. And you're in no mood for waiting. Right? You want to get unloaded, you want to get back in your truck, and you want to make it home. And so now, here's what happened. The crane was late in coming from Brainerd, and he was kind of singing a song, and he was going along, and I called him, well, I'm running a little late, you know, just no problem. I said, the trucks are here. Okay, I'll be there. You know, he's just singing his song, and we're driving his thing. And I got to looking. You know what, that steel beam that's welded into the pockets over here on this wall doesn't look right. Matter of fact, it isn't right. Uh-oh, we had a problem. Why? Because the planks wouldn't land, they wouldn't line up, the beam was over here six, eight inches off. Uh-oh, we have a problem. Now, if you're like me, you want to fix it right now, right? We can do this. We, we. So the first thought came to me, well, I know Troy, he's in Canada fishing. He's a welder. He's the guy who put the beam in. So then I remembered what Troy said to me once. There is a, actually a welding fabricating shop just next door to us. So my Mine kicks in and I drive over and walk into the shop and I said, you know what, guys, I, I've got a problem. I, I don't know who to talk to, but I have a train coming. I need, I need someone to re-weld. I need someone to burn the weld off, replace, you know, move it over, replace the weld. I mean, is that a possibility? And uh, guess what happened? A guy said, I got a, I've got a truck, I've, I've got a portable, I'll be right over. Wow. I thought, thank you, Lord. Okay. Anxiety just went down about 50% or more from that message. He gets here, he does his thing, and he, was, he, was, he knew what to do, he did it right, and just as if, just as, it's just in time as the tra crane rolled in. So now, how many like it when those things happen? I mean, not the fact that things went wrong, but you were able to remedy, right? Have you ever had the moments? Maybe you were stuck out of nowhere's land. Maybe, you know, maybe it was the days you didn't have cell phone. How many remember those? I mean, you got to ask people now. I mean, nowadays, you know, it's like, we forgot how to live without them, right? Which really, I mean, but there are things that God helps us with. 
He already knew that things were going to go wrong. Life is not exempt from problems. How many have learned that? It's not exempt from problems. It's not exempt from conflict. It's not exempt from, from sometimes setbacks. And I've learned to at least appreciate the, the letter of James where it says, if the Lord wills, if the Lord is willing, if it's in God's plan and purpose. So my text today is in Philippians 4, and we are kind of remind, we are kind of really just kind of reviewing this. It wasn't so long ago that I preached on this subject, but given the year we've been through, and given the times that we live in, I think this is a huge challenge for you and I as believers to keep up, keep strong, keep the faith, keep rejoicing. And this is exactly where I'm going to start at verse uh, 4, chapter 4 of Philippians, verse 4. I might have misled the people here. There you go. Chapter 4, verse 4 of Philippians says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Let me read it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Would you have liked to have been next to Paul when he was in prison? And Silas. When they were in the prison because they were proclaiming Christ as the Lord, as the way of salvation, they were preaching the gospel, they were not accepted, their message was thrown out, and now they're suffering, probably in bondage with chains and guards. And one of them says, let's sing. Are you kidding me? That's like, what? My nature is not the same when I am not feeling like it, right? Never had that moment, huh? But the best thing, probably, when we're having a moment of discouragement, is to look up and begin to praise the Lord because he is still on the throne. And whatever the circumstance may be, he already understands where you're at, and he says, now take your eyes off on the circumstance and put your eyes upon me, the person who can help you get out of the circumstance. And just as soon as they were beginning to sing, they sang hymns. It says they sang hymns. I don't know which hymn it was. I don't know what song page number it was. But they sang hymns, their songs, their music. And you know what happened? The place began to shake. God set them free. Something happened. Something happens when you and I praise him. Something happens when I choose to praise him in spite. Maybe a loss, maybe a setback. It may be something that's causing anxiety. 
maybe afraid to go to the dentist. Last year I had to go to the dentist, you know, when it was just this uh, beginning of this COVID thing, and I really didn't know what I was getting into, but I did in a way. But I was holding on when I had a tooth that was really throbbing. And of course, as I got to the chair, they informed me, we, we don't, we're not fixing teeth these days, we are only pulling them. Well, what they meant was, they, they went on to explain, your, your tooth is, is junk. I mean, you, we can't fix it. We, it's, it's worthless. It's hopeless. I said, I kind of knew that. So, okay, what do we got to do? Well, you know, get the injection going, get two, three angles going, and, you know, this and that and another. I should have known. I should have ran when um, the guy came out of the office. His cheek was about that big. Uh, I looked at him. I said, not too good, huh? Yeah, not too good. You know, he, he didn't say he don't want to go in there, but as I could read his face, you really don't want to go in there. They did the best they could as they took it out in pieces. I just, I hate, I hate that Dennis experience. I don't hate Dennis. I hate the experience. Most of the time it's, you know, my mentality is why fix it if it's not broken? So, you know, that I get my put myself in those positions. You can just look at my truck, so. So life is good. But there are moments of anxiety, tests, so to speak, trial. Or is this just because we live? Stuff happens. It's just because sometimes there, you're going along your way, you're minding your own business, and all of a sudden something comes out of nowhere and life changes. And life becomes harder. I've had a neighbor recently who has experienced a serious motorcycle episode, and he's He's, he's going to make it. He's doing okay, but he's got a lot of healing. Limbs and breaks, shoulders, and I mean, stuff that's he really had a hard hit. Life changes. So, of course, you say, Lord, one of the things you, when you're in a serious thing like that is, Lord, are you, trying to, are you trying to teach me something? Are you, are you, are you trying to get my attention? Or... Or you may say, Lord, am I, am I doing something wrong? Am I, you know, but it may, not, it may not be any of that. It may be the fact that we, you and I don't have guarantees. We don't have the guarantee that it's all going to be what maybe we thought it should be. And so the scriptures helps us to refocus get our bearings, get our perspective back. And the next verse, very next verse says, and Paul is writing from experience, he's saying, let your forbearing, your forbearing spirit. That's a different version. Let your gentle spirit, but that's okay, that's okay. The American Standard, let your forbearing in other words, what comes out of you and I? What comes out of you and I when we put in, put in some pressure, when we're under pressure? 
And what, 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 is, what is Paul getting up to, what's leading to, the forbearing spirit will be a testimony to others around you. How many people are always like, wow, I wonder how they're holding up. I wonder how they're doing. The good news is there is strength that can come from the Lord and also the strength that comes through the body of Christ that we are bearing, that we are shouldering, that we are walking life together, that we're doing it, that we're caring for one another, that we're not just all by ourselves. The Lord is near. The Lord is near to you and I, nearer than we can even imagine. The Lord is near. He's in here. He's in our heart. When we've asked him into our hearts, he comes into our heart and he lives in our heart. And he's near. That song is saying, closer. Bring me a little closer. Bring me... The, the, we only will go as close to the Lord as desire as we desire. The Lord desires for us to be closer, but he never forces himself on us. He wants us to want him. And when you begin to love and want more, you just want more, he, he moves closer and then he sometimes you just want to cry because you're overjoyed. The, the whole situation that's going on in the world, we need, someone said it this way, the world tries to fix things from the outside in. Jesus fixes things from the inside out. We, Jesus changes hearts. So therefore, when the heart is changed for the better, now the actions are changed. And it's not a show. It becomes who you are. It becomes who you are. So we get to these verses. You know, I, I thought about a proverb. You've read this, I'm sure, about anxiety. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in the heart of a man weighs it down. Can, can you just kind of like get a picture of a man or a woman whose heart is broken. But a good word makes it glad. We don't often hear very many good reports in the news. Any day you can. Right? But what ought to be coming out of our mouths as brothers and sisters in the Lord? We understand that to a degree we are, we are in different times. We are in uh, perilous. The word perilous comes to mind. Uh, we are in the end times, so to speak. Some of the events, some of the things that are, in, that are, that are being uh, set up, some of the things that we're hearing, some of the things that we're losing 
some of our freedom, some of the things that, mm, you know what, all this could just cause us to. And here's the remedy. Here's your the next verse. Here's what you and I can do and need to do. This is verse six says, "Be anxious for nothing." How can that happen? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. I like Thanksgiving, you know, the holiday. But every day, every day, every moment is an opportunity to give thanks. Let your requests be made. Talk to God about what's bothering you. Talk, you talk to God with your concerns. What, what, what's, 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 what are you concerned about? What, what are your The fact of the matter is, I can't always fix the circumstance. I can't always, most of the time, like at the beam, I, I'd say 90% usually goes the other way. That this, you know, you're going to have to wait. It's, it's a problem, but you know, once in a while, things work out miraculously. But a lot of times, there are things, especially when it comes to Emotions, people's attitudes, hearts, personalities, traits, whatever. There's so many things in the mix. And you get to a place where you say, I don't know what it's going to take. And you begin to say, well, Lord, what am I supposed to do? And he just say, just bring it to me. Bring the problem to me and lay it at my feet. Lay your cares. Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. He doesn't let you, he doesn't want you to sit there being weighted down day after day and moment after moment thinking about all the stuff. And he would say, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Remember that song we used to sing? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Wow. All of a sudden, when we have our perspective of Jesus, we have a new perspective of our circumstance. Mm. Oh, Lord, I want you to just come and fix this. Fix that. Fix it. Fix it. Well, he may be saying, you know, I could do that. But I have a little more work over here that has to be done first. I have this person who also is in, in my care, then I'm working this over here also to say this is not ready yet. Oh, all of a sudden we, decide, we begin to figure out the Lord is not just a microwave who we put in our dinner and pop a few moments and out comes a hot meal. I have learned this and I'm learning this that I can never, never replace time with God. I, I, it, it doesn't work. God is not in a hurry like me. 
God is saying to come and wait. Wait on me. Sit with me. Be with me. As Mary chose the good part of the two sisters who were preparing, and you know, Martha was the worker. She was, we need them. Don't get, don't get this story confused. But Martha, she was doing all the prep for the, for the meal. And Mary was just sitting there at the feet of Jesus. But it was exactly what the Lord wanted at the time. He says, Mary, you've chosen the good thing. You've chosen the, the right thing to do. Well, as I read in Scripture, I find that men and women of God, they, were, they, they, earned, they earned their time they spent with God. It, it got them into a close enough relationship where they then knew how to conduct themselves when the problems came. They knew what to say because they, they had spent the time with the Lord and he was already preparing them for the next challenge. And so these verses, when you pray and you pray and say, Lord, I, I'm just going to bring this up. I'm going to place it in your hands. And there's something wonderful that happens, as we said earlier in this message, the perfect peace of God. No one can buy peace. No one can buy. Money cannot buy a peace. There's no price tag. Peace is that which, the peace that surpasses all understanding will come. It will guard our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. It will guard your heart from sinking. It will guard your heart from going uh, through life with, with this drudgery or this feeling of, of worthlessness. Peace will bring about a sense of value that God himself has chosen you and desires you and has created you for his glory and his vessel and his son or daughter as your name he knows you by your name. He knows where you're at. And I alluded to the Jacob story, remember? Jacob got to a point. Jacob was a conniver. He already had deceived his brother of the birthright. Jacob was a deceiver. His name was changed to Israel. After he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, and that whole evening and on to the night, he said, I will not let you go. Jacob says to the Lord, I will not let you go until you bless me. Friend, I think there's a need for that kind of prayer. I think there's a need for that kind of prayer in the body of Christ. That some people... They just cling to the Lord and pray through. The old-timers called it praying through. And that really meant was they prayed for no matter how long it took until they felt the release that it was over, that the prayer would be brought to pass. Wow. Well, now, Jacob, 
Why was he praying so hard? He was afraid of his brother. Because he knew he was guilty. Jacob knew his brother could be upset, angry, to the point where he would take his own family, destroy his family. He heard Jesus was coming. He heard. He didn't know for sure what, what was going to happen. There could be confrontation. There could be struggle. There could be, so he, you know, he divides his family, and they go, part of them go first. But I believe the prayer that he spent through the night, the turnout went okay. It went good. It went well. And they were able to meet, and they were able to reconcile. It's a great story in the book of the Old Testament. You can find that in the book of, of Genesis chapter 32. And Jacob's name was changed. You see, God is about changing. Changing people. God is about changing hearts. God is about changing people that are stubborn and set in their ways. And he's calling people out of those places around our land. He's touching. I'm so excited what to see the worship of our young people at Southeastern University where our daughters are going. And we tune in a little bit. And they have their worship nights. And it just thrills my heart to see a young generation that they're lingering. They're not just singing songs, that they're worshiping, that they're actually engaged. It's just a wonderful thing. You see, we don't see that on, on the news. Amen? And the next verse tells you what to do next. This guy's praying, and all the peace comes. You get a perspective. You're, you're talking to the master. We'll put together the whole, all the heavens that we see above us and all the earth. You're talking to the one who created and spoke things to existence. He is totally qualified and capable of coming to your aid and coming to your circumstance. And now he says, finally, brothers, what are you thinking about? What do you need to think on? What do you need to engage your mind on? Look at the list. Whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute. I think that has to do with good report. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, if you ever found yourself thinking, are you kind of, you know, are you like me? I, sometimes I'll think back and I'll go through the years, or at least the seasons of my life. And I'll, I'll think about my boyhood, my childhood, or good years, good memories. Sum it up. I graduated in 77 out of high school. Interesting enough, 
I graduated from college in 87. Interesting enough, I came here to start a church in 97. So what I'm thinking is, Lord, am I supposed to be doing things when the year ends with seven? What, what is this? You know, I, I, that's just me. I get to thinking. Your mind is a powerful thing. Because the proverb says that life is in the tongue. The power of life is in the tongue. We can speak positive words. Build people up, encourage them. Anxiety weighs a man down, but a good word builds him up. Good job, Ethan. Good job, Horton. I could go on. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for I had a man at Palisade who always said, that was the best sermon. You know, he would always, and I knew better. He was just, wow. Yeah, really? Really? The Norwegians have a hard time taking compliments. Oh, am I the only one? Uh, we need to say thank you. I appreciate it. So what you do to, to take a compliment, you're not thinking about, oh, that's so good, I'm so good. No, you're thinking, thank you. I appreciate that. It means a lot to me. That's the good word. That's a good word. Well, you'll be saying, I don't feel like I'm worth anything. I don't, I can't do anything. Well, maybe you can. What do you think God thinks about it? Well, throw something out there that, well, get them to think a little bit. Encourage them. You know, it's not always what we do. In fact, it's not necessarily what we do, but it is important what we do. But the being, who you are first, the being. Does that make sense? You be, you be in Christ. You are it, you are, you are his, you are, you are precious. He has made you. Now, this perfect peace is sometimes very practical, isn't it? Paul later describes this, a little bit of his circumstances. And he said in verse 11, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content. In other words, it's a process. How many know the word sanctification? At least you heard of it. Well, you heard of it now. It basically means a process 
of becoming better. And then in, in, in the biblical sense, sanctification means to be set apart. Set you apart for himself. And that whole sanctification, and I think Vern's going to cover this in Romans on Wednesday, at least something. There's a process. Paul dealt with the struggle. He had own struggles. The flesh wants to keep getting up and saying, I'm in control. The flesh part of us is that which we need to turn it over, crucify, die to our side, learn to be content in whatever circumstance. In other words, let me just sum it up. We learn to roll with the punches. We learn to roll. We learn to adapt. We learn not to put down our guard against sin. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about trial. He's talking about the stuff that the enemy wants to get at us to discourage us and take the song out of your heart, begin to go downward and stop rejoicing, stop having reason, we can come back. And lead us through that song one more time. You and I have reason to rejoice if the Lord never did any more for us. He's done enough already. Unless we take our salvation for granted. Lest I forget, the song somewhere said, Lest I forget thy agony. Over and over again, the Old Testament Israel. Went so far and it did so good, and then all of a sudden, where's that Moses? Well, I haven't seen him for a while. I think he may have went off somewhere, and you know, matter of what, he's coming back. Let's build something else for our God. Oh boy. No one can take the place. You and the Lord. You and the Lord have, have a tailor-made appointment. He knows what you are made. He knows what's in your heart. He knows. Let's sing this. Let's just render our heart. Let's just and say, Lord, here I am. You know what's going on. You see where I'm at. Let's just, let's just allow him to touch us.